Welcome to the CWDW Near and Far podcast where we explore perspectives of the Walt Disney World Resort from 10 to 1,000 miles away. I am Mike, the far in this equation. And John is not here this week. He has some visiting family from out of town and that's kept him tied up all week. So for this week, we're going to do a best of. And as far as that best of goes, we're just going to cover about three discussions that we had over the past year and a half plus that we've done this podcast. And these three discussions are just a few of my personal favorites. John may have a differing opinion on what his favorites were, but I, I really appreciated these conversations. Again, these are three of my favorite episodes. So to start, we're going to look at an interesting topic that I really, and at the time I remember telling John, wow, that's a great idea. I've never heard anyone talk about that. I've never heard that before. And coincidentally, a few weeks later, I actually heard another podcast uh, actually bring up this discussion very briefly. Now, not our discussion, but talk about this very subject. And that is introverts in the park. Why does Disney attract introverts? Is Disney a good option for introverts? It, it may sound really strange, but there's a lot of introverts that really enjoy Walt Disney World and taking trips there. And in this discussion, John admits that he's an introvert and we get his perspective on why, as an introvert, he would visit the parks. So we might as well get into our discussion. Uh, this is something that you and I have talked about offline uh, quite a bit, how Disney can affect people that are more introverted. And I, I tend to agree that introverted people might be intimidated by going to a place like Walt Disney World where the crowds are so heavy. And, and even the idea might even make your typical introvert a little bit nervous. And uh, so, so why don't you, because you consider yourself more of an introverted person, John. Oh, I am. Let, let's talk about your perspective um, from that standpoint, how did you, how did somebody get you to go to Disney world being an introvert? I mean, did you, yeah. were your claws on the ground? I mean, were you uh, there literally claw marks? Like as they dragged you into the parks? No, I went because I, I the first time I ever went, I went because my girlfriend at the time, um, was watching her uncle's house in florida so we made it like a little vacation and it really didn't have anything to do with disney but she was like oh you need to we need you need to see disney and universal while you're here and you know i wasn't that interested in it and a little background i think we talked last week and stuff um i had never been to walt disney world as a kid um just never came up we didn't have the money and this is part of it, though, too. I, I'm pretty sure my dad is a huge introvert because he's still never been to Disney World. <laughs> it seems to have <laughs> no interest in ever going. And uh, again, I can uh, a lot of introverts have that idea. And just to give you an idea, too, that I, uh, you know, some people might be saying, well, are you really an introvert or 
my daughter had her 20th birthday party just a few days ago, which is another reason I didn't make it to any parks this week. But I literally could not stand to be around all the people and the goings on and the small, like I, I went upstairs and, uh, you know, sat and pet the cats for <laughs> a bunch <laughs> of times during that, like not the whole time, but I literally felt the need to escape from that. Um, I remember going to my wife's family's house for Christmas and at some point I would leave and go out to the car and just sit and enjoy the silence or just go outside and walk or like, I'm always that guy who doesn't like to be around the crowds, the loud people, the, uh, I, it, it's, uh, I don't like concerts. I, I, I don't like big crowds of people. And it, I always, you know, I recently thought it's ironic. Somebody that, that does not like crowds and people absolutely loves Walt Disney World enough that they would be willing to, you know, uh, uproot their life and family and move to Florida just to be close to it. And uh, so I I thought this would be an interesting topic, maybe for those people, you know, who don't want to go to Walt Disney World. You hear a lot about that, like a husband and wife, one of them wants to go. The other one's like, that's not for me. I don't like crowds. I don't want to be around all that. And I can just tell you, I went in my 20s because my girlfriend at the time um, uh, went to visit her uncle and watch his house and stuff. So I just went. And my initial thought in my 20s was I it was very memorable, but I can't say that I loved it, though. Like I went and I was like, I remember uh, my thoughts on the Magic Kingdom was there was way too many kids there and it was way too hectic. And I was kind of glad to be out of it when I left. I did like Epcot. I thought that was pretty cool. Universal, I thought was all right. Like I went to that as well. And again, I, I you know, I I went back to Pennsylvania, and I never really thought about it again. I wasn't like, oh, can't wait to get back there. I just, you know, it was just like, yeah, I I saw that. And anyway, it that 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 was in my twenties, and I believe it was in my. 30s or maybe upper 20s I don't even remember that we uh, planned a family vacation to come down here with my daughter and I think that's when I started to like it a little bit more but I realized as a as somebody who doesn't like crowds who you know in school would sink down in their seat and not want to be called on for anything I actually began to feel like a kind of freedom in Disney World like away from myself like not to like like I remember I was on uh, uh, Hollywood or Sunset Boulevard, I think it was, and you know the uh, at the uh, Hollywood uh, cast members were there doing you know their little skits in the road. Yeah, the citizens the, of Hollywood. Citizens of Ho- yeah. Hollywood. Yep. And I remember being there, and my stepdad literally half ran down the road to get away from them. He did not want to be called <laughs> on, looked at anything, and I used to feel the same way. And I don't know why, but maybe it was having a, 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 a child or or just, you know, learning to relax a little while at Disney. I came to the realization that nobody there knows me. It really doesn't matter. Um, it's all in fun. And again, they picked me for something and I was in the show. And again, it, I, I loved it. And um, over time, I, I just, uh, I don't know, I kind of would... Uh, doing things that were the opposite of my of my uh, inclinations was so nice and 
even to this day, I love to go there. And we talked before about like people and crowds and there's nothing, there's nothing that I like more than being in a big crowd of people uh, watching the a parade go by, watching uh, you know uh, the the Mickey Mouse float and waving to everybody, and I just feel like it's such a a nice feeling to mix in with everybody and just be a part of it, and we're all enjoying the same thing. And again, it it's it's against some it's against my uh, natural inclinations, but I learned at Disney is one of the few places that I can actually enjoy that kind of thing, and. I think that's why uh, not so much this year, but typically I really enjoyed Mardi Gras at Universal too. And that would normally be this kind of thing somebody like me would go the opposite away from. But I remember being at Mardi Gras and just watching the parade go by and the the uh, the uh, team members would interact with you. And I remember some of them actually coming up to me and referencing my shirt and this and that and throwing beads. And it was just, again... I felt like I was part of almost like a big party where I would never go to a big party, you know, mm-hmm. but I was in a controlled party environment for a limited amount of time that I could just leave. And I was like, wow, that was so enjoyable. But again, you know, you say you want to go out to a nightclub and go to a real party. I would be like, you couldn't pay me to do such a thing. I'm not, I don't like that. <laughs> I don't like the noise. I don't like the people, but in these controlled in these controlled uh, parts of it, it, it really is nice. And again, it just, you know, I don't, I don't really have a lot of friends. I don't do a lot of social things. The, the, the social aspect of it to me is just huge. And uh, over time I got better at it too. I remember, I, I think I mentioned before, one of my favorite things about the Skyliner, it was a dreaded thing at first. I was like, they're putting 10 people in each one of these little cubes. I'm like, that's way too many. I don't want to be, yeah. But I found after I did it a few times, I would begin having conversations with strangers on the Skyliner, just about Disney, about this, about that. And I remember thinking, this is really nice. I'm meeting a lot of nice people, just having great interactions with strangers, all because we're forced to sit in this box and look at each other. And like that's, I said, it's like the bus, the bus situation too, right? Yeah. We discussed before about the bus kind of, um, kind of creating the similar or same environment that you're talking about, where you're kind of smashed in there together. So what are you going to do? You either going to, you know, kind of keep your mouth shut or make light of it and maybe have uh, a couple conversations or whatever. I, I, I feel like I had a lot more on the Skyliner though because it's so much closer and yeah, you're literally it's more in a intimate, box. Right? More yeah, intimate. it's so silent. There's nothing else going on there. It's like quiet. And even if people talk to each other, you're part of the conversation. You're that close to yeah. them. That Monorail yeah. Monorail's kind of like that too, right? I, I guess I'm, it could be, but I don't know why. It just never really happened for me that much on buses or monorail. Maybe it's just me, but, but yeah. Well, John, let me ask you something real quick. Going back to the social aspect of everything, do you think that the way you feel has more to do with the fact that you're kind of sinking into a crowd of anonymity, or do you think that maybe you feel like, ah, oh, this is my tribe, you know, that type of thing? I don't know. I think it might be both because um, I got called on once in the uh, the Monsters, Inc. laugh floor, and I got to be Randall. 
you know, they were like, they, you know how they would pick like people in the audience and they'd be, and maybe you don't, but anyway, they would tell stories and yeah. your face would go on camera and they had yeah. that guy. And I always wanted to be that guy, even though my entire life, I was the guy avoiding being, you know, that guy in any situation, but somehow at Disney, it seemed fun. And like I said, I was Randall one time and I just thought it was enjoyable. Again, I just learned to let go at Disney. Like it doesn't like, I don't know why it it took a little bit of time. Maybe, maybe I didn't want my daughter to live the life that I have of, you know, hiding from things. I don't know. But when I was at Disney, I just let that, uh, I just let that go. And like I said, um, I really enjoyed it a lot. And I'm not saying that it just made me like people, that it was great or whatever. I still wanted the break. Like like when I would be on vacation, I thought it was very important to go back to the room in the middle of the day. I like to be back there with no strangers around, just quiet. Like I really enjoyed that. And from everything I read about introverts, I think they call that like recharging. Like you, you can only deal with things so much without wanting to be alone and recharge a bit. And, and, uh, you know, living here now, it's similar to like, I love to go to the parks, but only for, you know, like two to five hours or something, I'm about maxed out. And then there's usually an entire day that until I am in the mood to go back again. So I'm not one of those people. It's like, Oh, I could be in the parks all day, every day. It's like, no, that would be too much. But I definitely like to, uh, to, uh, uh, do it in small parts and part of the reason I I wanted to do the show too was like I said uh, I, I think my dad probably has a similar personality and he never even gave it a chance you know I think he's probably like 70 by now he's never given it a chance and I feel like he misses out on a lot by doing that and for all those other people out there who are introverted or have family members that's probably the most likely thing it's always for me, it was always the men in my family were like, I don't want to do that. No, look, they're looking at me. I don't want to be called. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to be the butt of a joke, like it's a bad thing or something. Mm-hmm. And again, that's how I grew up and how I kind of thought too. And and like I said, being at the parks at one point with my stepdad made me re- realize, you know, the difference. Like I kind of gave that part up and I saw him basically willing to... Uh, try to get away at all costs because yeah. he didn't want to be involved and uh yeah i I've, i was gonna say too a big part of the why it feels good is when you go to walt disney world and you're you know you're enjoying stuff you're walking around you wouldn't believe and this is mainly without the mask but even with them the amount of times that you just look at somebody and they give you a smile you give them a smile it's like you you may not even speak the same language. You probably would never be friends in real life or anything, but you're all experiencing the same thing. You're all happy. You're wherever you are, you're in the candy shop, whatever. And, and with kids too, I, I, I can't tell you the amount of interactions you just have with people in general that it's, it's really, I don't know. It, it it's, 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 for, for me, it's really special because I don't do that stuff in real life that much. Like, I don't mm-hmm. go around and hug people and interact. And everybody's my best friends. And this is, and I don't do a whole lot. So the the uh, feel I get from Disney, I think, I think it might almost be, you know, something that's missing in a lot of introverts' lives that they don't even know is missing. And that's why I, I still know a lot of people that to this day who are like, 
I hate Walt Disney World. I wouldn't go there. Way too many people. I don't like crowds. I don't like people. And I can tell you, I spent my whole life saying I don't like crowds. I don't like people. And yet somehow I can love Walt Disney World, you know, mm-hmm. and 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 as we discussed before, I'm not a huge Disney fan. I don't love Disney cartoons and love the Disney company. It's like I it, I am I like the theme park environment. I like the things they do there, the entertainment, the the setup, even the even the fireworks, like the feeling of being in a crowd of thousands and thousands of people. You're just one of so many thousands in the middle and we're all watching the fireworks and just hearing everybody gasp as Tinkerbell flies from the castle and I don't know why just I think it's like why some people go to concerts it's just different like the the vibe and the energy you get from the crowd around you is so is so different and unique oh yeah one of our most popular episodes was our DVC discussion this was one that I was really looking forward to as I've considered DVC ownership several times over the years so I had a lot of questions for John as a former owner he was just full of knowledge and perspective and actually even got into a little bit as to why he got out of ownership Uh, basically john for many years you were a dvc member and owner and you would travel from pennsylvania down to the orlando area to stay in the dvc resorts you're going to talk a little bit about your whole experience with DVC. And again, you reminded me before we started this, you're not an expert. You can only really talk about your experience and, you know, the purchasing and, and usage and, um, and, and then selling of DVC once you got down to the Orlando area. So, or, or I guess before, right. You, you sold it before you got there so that you could, you know, get it home. So why don't we get into that, John, and, and really interested to hear, this your your whole take on this dvc thing because it's something that i've really considered over the years and have looked at many times and uh, just kind of kind of really looking forward to this so go ahead john well let's get into it it was a uh, it was a rainy day in 2008 and um you know we had seen these best kept secret signs and all this stuff you know for so long uh, that we always did want to hear a little bit more like i'm i was disney savvy enough that i've heard good things about it but i've also heard the naysayers saying oh you can you know put your money somewhere else it isn't worth it and this and that so you know i i had an idea of what it was all about and stuff but i never really priced it i never looked at anything official so we were in the parks on a rainy day and in, uh, in 2008 and if you you got to remember too 2008 was i think that was at the financial crisis where you know mm-hmm. everything was kind of recessioning a little bit and you know people were starting to take pay cuts at their jobs a little here and there in order to not have to lay anybody off and so basically it wasn't the worst but i think between 2008 and maybe 2011 there was the housing crisis and you know, a few bad things happened where businesses started failing and they had to be bailed out. And anyway, basically, financially, things weren't going that great in the country. And you'll see why this comes up later. Lucky for me, I was doing our, I, I lived below my means and stuff. And, you know, we were getting by just fine. But anyway, I, uh, 
we talked to a DVC person in the park and they said, you know, if you want to go and, you know, take a tour of the DVC and talk to somebody, they'll give you fast passes to make up for your loss of time. They'll give you three fast passes. Well, this is back when they had paper tickets. And I was like, all the fast passes are already gone for the day. I already used my three already. I'm like, man, three extra fast passes would be really nice. Like I'm, I, I would do it. So anyway, we said, yeah, we'll do it. We went back and, and we ended up, uh, we ended up talking to somebody and they were honestly not pushy at all. Like they just went through the numbers and who it's right for and who it's not and this and that. And basically they had told me what I already knew that if you go to Disney consistently, it is worth it for you. If you go occasionally, probably not, you know? And, uh, so, you know, by the time I thought about it a little bit and we went over it, we just dis- we started discussing, man, if we would have had this already, how much money would we have saved? Because we were already going to the parks like twice a year. And, uh, you know, basically, by the time I left, I, I, I had convinced myself that it would be. And I, I even jokingly said I'd be stupid not to buy it. <laughs> <laughs> just yeah. to be just a joke because you know i thought that was funny that uh that i and uh so anyway i bought 160 points and i know for some people they would say oh that's not a lot it's not enough i think that was the minimum at the time and the thing is it it was my my wife myself and my daughter and we only needed a studio we really didn't need anything more than that. So for us, we didn't need, you know, 300 points, whatever, whatever. Like, And and what they were selling at the time, too, was Animal Kingdom Lodge, which I believe we had stayed there at least once before and thought it was like the greatest hotel ever. So that, that was a plus, too. But they also had a lot of uh, incentives. Like they were like... You can get you get like a three hundred dollar Disney gift card and a thousand dollars for this and this money back and I took all the free stuff they were giving me and said, can you put that right on the principal of it? And they said, oh yeah, we can do that. So I did the smarter thing and reduced the cost and I think it I it ended up only being like twelve thousand or thirteen thousand something like or may, maybe it was fourteen. I'm sorry. I don't really have the numbers, but it was at least a couple thousand cheaper than it would have been. And it was only about sixteen thousand, which is cheap by today's prices too. This is in two thousand eight. Yeah. And I think I by the time I left I I I had a loan for like uh probably around fourteen thousand. But I took all the incentives and I and instead of taking them and spending them i said put them all right on the principal so anyway i bought that in 2008 and i can honestly say um once we joined we were very happy to be dvc members because we were already trying to do that thing where we would go two vacations per year and make one a little bit before um that you know like one one we do January first, uh, and then the next one we would do December twentieth. Like, just make it slightly under a year, so one set of annual passes lasts for two trips. And then all of a sudden, we got cheaper annual passes. We were a- able to get annual passes at the Florida rate because that's one of the things they let DVC owners do. I'm sure they probably don't anymore, but it was a great price for them. 
So that that was a big thing too. And instead of staying at the Pop Century, which we love, most of the time we would uh, now we stayed at Animal Kingdom Lodge. We stayed at Saratoga Saratoga Springs once, which is not exciting theme wise, but it's really nice. <clears throat> we stayed at the Beach Club. We stayed at the Polynesian. Um, we stayed at the Contemporary. And I can honestly tell you that I would not have stayed at those super awesome hotels if I had to pay like $600 a night or whatever it costs for them. They were completely out of my price range. So, you know, we were kind of in love with the idea of, uh, of uh, DVC by that point. And what we would do is we, we would always... Uh, sign up for Animal Kingdom Lodge, the value resort, which was the top floor of the Jumbo House, the original side. We would do that right away because they would sell out and they were very cheap. Like they used very little points. So we, we would always do that right at seven months, I believe is when we could do it. We'd call right away and get that. And then if we wanted to upgrade to, uh, to a, uh, a, a one of the newer ones, like we did it once for Contemporary, we did it once for Polynesian. You can try to do that, but then your worst case scenario is if it's not available, like I think at like 11, you can book one at 11 months and then a second one that's not your home resort at seven, I think is what it is. So at 11 months, we booked Jumbo House Value. At seven months, we call and say, is there anything at the Contemporary? And if there is, we switch to that. If there's not, we still have our favorite resort and a great price and everything else. So that's kind of the scheme we uh, settled on over time. And it worked out really well. And just so you know, the, the top floor of Jumbo House was converted standard rooms into studio DVC. So they're slightly smaller but the points would be so much less that, you know, you could really save on points there. And it has a great pool. It has the restaurants. It has the quick service. So I always preferred that over the uh, over the DVC side. So just another little tip. But anyway, my uh, my daughter was seven at the time when we bought it. And, you know, she she thought it was pretty cool that we owned a. Uh, DVC and stuff and anyway we kind of liked it and you know we enjoyed it over the years we were always proud DVC members and it was always great to you know like um, her dad had always my wife's dad always wanted to stay at the Polynesian you know like when they were kids they went there and they would go by being like someday I'm gonna stay there well she got to take her dad to the Polynesian and you know we we took them on vacation with us and i can honestly say it wouldn't have happened if not for dvc because again yeah, that's great the huge amount per night so we really love dvc at, but in order to move down here um we kind of i was kind of looking all over for money because it was a, a sudden thing like one day my daughter when she was 16 was just like i would move to florida and i'm like right now she's like oh yeah and i'm like oh crap i'm not ready i need to find money for a down payment we gotta get so one of the things i had to do was sell my dvc contract um the interesting thing about that was i think i sold it for like twelve thousand something like that which um, that was in 2017. So think about that. It's like I used it for at least like eight full years and maybe another like partial year. And I only lost a couple thousand dollars in the resale. It's like 
that was not a bad investment, you know? Like, a lot of times people are like, timeshares are a ripoff, they're a bad investment. It's like, well, not always. And on the negative side, Disney always uh, takes away benefits from the resale and stuff, which I think is not fair because it hurts the value for the people who actually bought it, you know? Like, if they say, I think they made it so that, you know, you're, you're not entitled to a lot of stuff if you're just... Uh, if you buy a resale, like they, they strip away a lot of benefits. But again, that's hurting the people who already bought it. So I think that's not very nice at Disney. And I can't even remember what the benefits they took are. I think one one of them was you're not getting the annual pass at that at that you know special rate and stuff. And but I I I think uh, tables in Wonderland you could get. That was only for Florida residents or DVC at one point, and I think they took that away if you bought resale. So, but anyway, I never bought resale, so I don't really know that much about it. But I do know that I bought it. I used it for a long time. I stayed at places that I never would have been able to stay at. Um, during that time, I paid off the whole contract, and you know, it still had maintenance fees, but with only a hundred and sixty points, they weren't terrible. But I still paid like a hundred some dollars a month for maintenance fees. So that's another thing to think about that doesn't go away. And uh, but again, I really didn't mind, you know, when I'm booking a theme park view at the Bay Lake Tower, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, that uh, that fee, including that fee, it's very little I'm paying for this hotel. Like once I paid for the points and all I'm paying is uh Let's just say like uh, 1500 a year. It's like, well, I'm taking two vacations a year at beautiful luxury resorts for like 1500 or so. Like, that's not bad. So, But anyway, it's not for everybody, though. And we were sad to sell it. We kind of felt like, uh, you know, we didn't really want to give that up when we moved down here that we weren't. Like, I can't go into the DVC lounge anymore at a the top floor of the imagination pavilion and uh they have a, a a lounge at the bay lake towers that i never got to see and you know all that kind of little stuff but i don't regret it though it's much better to live here what were some of the benefits that you did get as a dvc member that were maybe a little unexpected like they had different events and things like that right well unfortunately they did and they looked like they were awesome events like i've heard you know, they had cruises and they had uh, Moonlight Madness events where they open up the theme parks and this and that. I have never gotten to do any of them because, you know, I, 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 my trips were very planned out. I lived in Pennsylvania, so it's like if you're going to have something special for him on a certain night, it's like, well, if I didn't plan on that 11 months ago or seven months ago, I'm not going to get it. And I probably already have my next one planned, so... I don't really understand who's doing that. I guess people that have more freedom in their travel and this and that are the only ones who really can could utilize that kind of thing. Because, I mean, how far in advance would they have to tell somebody who's supposed to book 11 months out? It's like, yeah, that, that's what I was going to ask is how, how long do they, you know, the notification process of those events. I, I don't think they're really up to 11 months. I, I don't think they tell you 11 yeah. months in advance, right? I think they're mainly like I know a guy who would go to them because they were great, yeah. but he probably didn't stay at his DVC. He would just fly down and go to it because it was an awesome event, empty park. 
And he also went on the cruises, too, I think. So, I mean, it's just fun. Imagine being on a cruise and everybody there is a DVC member, and then they have special presentations and this and that. It's like, I, yeah, it's, I heard they were a lot of fun, but I never went on them. Did, did DVC members have, like, a special handshake or hand signal or uh, something to be in the me. secret I only, <laughs> I only had 160 <laughs> points. I was considered... Uh, oh, you were you know, the lower echelon. I'm, uh, I'm definitely the low end of DVC. Like, yeah. Very low. Well, I'm, just, I'm just teasing. Um, but, yeah, the pass was the biggest one, and Tables in Wonderland. And they did give discounts, too, for DVC members and stuff. I might be missing something, but if I am, I apologize. But I literally sold mine in 2017, and it's now 2021. So you're going off vague memories at this point. Well, speaking of vague memories, and I, I don't know if you, how much of this you would remember, but the loan process itself, did you finance through your your own bank, like your own option, or did you go through something that they had presented? Uh, they did it all right there. Like, oh, they did. Okay. Literally, while I was in that room, they had it all done, and I had a loan, and they they applied that money to the loan, and I got approved at whatever rate, and it was all done immediately. Like when I walked out of there, there was nothing else for me to do. I got when I got home, I got a payment book in the mail eventually for that and my dues, and it was like that's it. Do you remember the financial institution? Was it like a like a big national bank, or was it something that Disney? I honestly used? don't. I I don't remember it being a really popular one, but okay. I can't remember. It it's probably more like a car dealership where they can do it through a bunch depending yeah. on the rates and this and that. But I guess there's a line of people that are excited to give disney money you know so. that's what i was gonna say it wasn't anything like you know i don't know first national of orlando or Kissimmee or something i don't like think that. so it was... but it's again you're not gonna go wrong with if somebody doesn't pay disney will pay those points and take it back it's pretty much a guaranteed safe thing through uh you know by by financing that stuff there's mm -hmm. very little possibility that there'll be a loss for the bank yeah so you know, you talked about your trips. You took two trips um, a year, typically. But how long was your average trip? About a week. Okay. So you're talking like five days or seven days in there it would, somewhere? It would depend if, if I had the points or whatever, too. Because that's the thing. We, we made a point to do two trips and use all our points. If we're running a little low on points, we could always say, you know, the first day when we get there, we're going to stay at Pop the first night, and then the next day we'll move over to there. Or sometimes we would go to Universal for a little bit if, if it was one of the time periods we had that pass. And so we only needed like five nights. So, you know, it, it, it really varied. And while we had the, the contract is when it changed. Like at first, uh, the points had just values. It was like, I'm, I'm just making this up, but let's just say it was $10 a night for this style room. Didn't matter what time of year, didn't matter what day of the week. It was all the same, but eventually they modified it to weekends are higher, weekdays are lower, holidays, it's like a premium season and a lesser season. And Actually, first, I think they just went to seasons and then they went to day of the week with seasons, you know, so the mm -hmm. points got much more complex. But that made it a lot more, a lot more attractive to say, well, we get there on Saturday. Let's just stay at Pop Century and 
we'll we'll go over there starting on the weekdays and you save a huge amount of points you know it's like wow got a lot more out of the vacation and i still really like pop so i didn't mind going over there you know yeah that makes a lot of sense and and that really relates to my next question which would be did you spend all your trips or points on one trip and you pretty much answered that that you didn't you conserved yep. some points so would you say that each trip you you split them in half is is no what you did? we did whatever we needed to do sometimes they they would allow you to bank certain amount of points um for like one year and then you could also borrow from the upcoming year so you, there was always room to negotiate and mm-hmm. and make sure everything this last episode i chose because i think it's really important to preserve a perspective of what the world was like and what families of disney cast members were going through during the time period of october 2020 and really the short time before and beyond that where Disney was furloughing cast members. You feel the passion in this discussion from John and the frustration. John's family moved to the Orlando area to be around the parks, and John's wife in particular had always dreamt of working for the company. So needless to say, this was a very trying time for John and his family. And we get a little bit of that in this discussion. A big part of wanting to move here for my wife was it was her dream to work for Walt Disney World. And the best case scenario for that for her was to work at the salons at Walt Disney World because she loves Disney World and she loves being a, uh, a, a hairstylist and you know, it it took a long time, you know, we moved here and all that, and she eventually made it, and she was not even there a year when all this stuff happened, and she was at Disney for three years, but she wasn't, basically, they, um, they let all of the salon people go, and he, I'll, I'll give you a little bit of a, 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 a timeline. Uh, basically, the crowds have been growing all the time lately, like, crowds have been up if you pay attention you'll see wait times up uh the governor of florida came out and said we're on phase three full occupancy uh as far as disney goes they could always do whatever they want so there's no restrictions on them and like i said crowds are up no restrictions then all the cast members got an email from josh damaro about how sad he is that they're going to have to let a lot of people go. And, you know, a lot, every, you know I, I think a lot of people that don't work for the company probably go, oh, he's so such a sweet guy. That's so great. I'm glad. And and he I'm sure he is a very nice guy. But honestly, I, I can tell you what that did to people that stressed out almost everybody that works at Walt Disney World whether you're still on furlough or not like i uh, a friend of mine works at animal kingdom she said all the employees in the break room are nervous concerned could some of them go too like they don't nobody knows nobody felt safe the people like my wife who are still on furlough began thinking you know this is over like i can't believe they're going to do this and what and so it took throughout throughout the entire following week 
And just so you know, this is a week of stressing people out who are already stressed out, uh, you know. And yeah, my wife got constant calls from coworkers and things like that, just upset, nervous, not sure what they're going to do next if they if they get the call. And throughout the week, at it was probably midweek, uh, people that she worked with started getting the call uh, from HR. And I think it was at the point where all of her, um, they call them leaders at Disney, every one of her leaders was let go. And that's when she pretty much knew they're all gone. Like that's, uh, I don't know, uh, the Grand Floridian Resort and gym, I guess. Uh, it's not a spa anymore. <laughs> they, there is no spa that, that doesn't exist. All the entire, all the nail technicians, salon stylists, even the, the, the masseuse, I don't know, what's the plural of masseuse? <laughs> but they're all gone too, whatever that is. And it's, I don't know what Disney's thinking with that exactly because the salons were never a big money maker. They were just a necessary evil to, not evil, but they were a necessary thing to provide a service for high-level clientele. Like if you are in a position that when you go to Disney World that you like to visit the, the spas, it's because you're not looking for a cheap haircut. You're looking for to look good. You're looking for whatever. Like it's it it was a legitimate high end salons at they had it at the Coronado Springs, the Yacht and Beach Club, Saratoga Springs, uh Wilderness Lodge and the Grand Floridian. Like they and all the employees there would circulate to all of them, you know, depending on the day. And like I said, I don't know if they ever bring them back. I don't know who's going to know how to do it because they basically mm -hmm. got rid of everybody that knew anything about it. And uh, I'll get into that a little bit later. But anyway, Josh Damara's letter caused company-wide stress to an extreme level. I'm sure there's a lot. I'm sure that caused a lot of problems with, and it wasn't for us, but, you know, there's a lot of people whose life depends on this stuff that I'm sure there's was panic attacks. There's just, just really bad things i'm sure happening and i honestly think it's worse to tell people hey 75,000 employees we're getting rid of 28,000 next week don't worry next week it's like oh crap that's i i don't know i i i guess there is no good way to do it but being around somebody who had to deal with that it's taking the process of being fired, I guess, and dragging it out for a week. <laughs> That's a lot of stress to put people under. So, you know, and like I said, there was a lot of phone calls and coworkers calling her and crying and upset and not, they don't, I don't know what it, they don't know what to do. And uh, so anyway, she gets the call and she's one of them. I think it was like Friday afternoon and she knew it was coming you know, because basically all of her co-workers and leaders were already gone. So it would it would be a miracle for her not to be. So she knew it was coming, but it was still extremely upsetting that, you know, for her, it wasn't a job and it wasn't even about the money. It's what she always wanted to do. And I mean, if you look at her record, you'll see countless um You'll see countless compliments from guests from every position she's had there, including salon stylists. So she was one of those people that is 
very good at making magic. Like she added um, to so many people's vacations and experiences. And even in the salons, she was not there for that long. And she had a lot of repeat customers. A lot of people, a lot of guests would ask for her specifically. And like I said, it was going extremely well. And so it's not just a job like, yeah, I, I uh, worked the, the ticket booth at Animal Kingdom. It's like, no, nah, I had a very specific job or she had a very specific job that was very difficult to get because there's only about 25 people in the salon at spas. Not an easy job to get at Disney World. And uh, so, yeah, for her, it was a very big deal that, that's gone. And it affects the whole family in that, um, you know, we would go out as a family to whatever restaurant at Disney World, they're giving a discount to employees at the time. Like we got to do a lot of little stuff that you can only do if you're an employee and and not that you can't do it if you're not an employee, but like I said, it's dinner at a nice Disney restaurant, even at, even with the 40% off discount that they offer at some places, some of the time, it's still an expensive meal. And without that, it's pretty much something you'd never do. I mean, you could go outside of Disney and get better food at that point for the price you'd be paying. So anyway, it, it definitely affects us a lot in that way. And the other problem is, and here's where here's where it bothers me a bit too. I got a little angry that um, the employees have a different uh, schedule for uh, when they can visit parks and with the new COVID stuff and all, like how many are available and this and that. So uh, there's been a lot of blockout dates for employees lately. And anyway, here's my issue. Uh, myself and my daughter have annual passes because we always saved my wife's free passes for for people who'd come to visit, that kind of thing. And so I, 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 I was hoping last weekend maybe I could make her feel a little better. Maybe we could go out to a park. I know it's Disney, but she's not she's not a resentful kind of person that'd be like, I don't ever want to go to Disney. She she still loves Disney World and would would have loved to have gone. So I tried to get in any park and I could get in and my daughter could get in. There's nothing available for her. And I think it's probably like I said, they they have rolling blackouts for employees. If it's too crowded, they just that you you can't go. And my guess is with the mass layoffs and the threaten the and threatening every single person's job at Walt Disney World, I think all the cast members were probably thinking we better go to Disney while we can. We're going to be blocked out. So she couldn't go to Disney World, and I would have been. Uh, uh, I, I should say we would have been happy to have purchased an annual pass then and just it's fine I'll purchase an annual pass for her we will go to Disney World we'll you know to, we'll go for a vet visit make everybody feel a little better Disney's not selling annual passes right now and so basically I, I basically and I I tried to elaborate this on a post and it, it was a little difficult to do but basically she can't go to the Disney parks right now. And not that there's nothing official saying you can't, there's no slots available and you can't buy a pass. So unless she's willing to buy a single or multi-day ticket, 
at full you know at a normal pricing like that she's can't go to the park so i'm kind of a big picture guy so i just look at that and say all right disney you just fired people and they're not allowed to go to the parks and they can't buy an annual pass and again maybe it wouldn't matter if you uh you know you work backstage at epcot and you hate your job and who cares you weren't going anyway but we actually moved a thousand miles to be close to disney because we enjoy going so much like we love going to the parks and just when you need it the most disney says no coincidentally i mean it's just the way things work out and i know there's probably a thousand people out there right now doing the old rationalizing going well it's not disney's fault and well it's because of the rule and well it's like basically they could let people in if they want they know what they do and i don't even care about the rationalizing the i care about the end result and the bottom line is can't buy a pass can't get into the park and you're losing your job and like i said very weird timing considering crowd levels have been going up all the time like they're always it's been more and more difficult to for me to get a reservation and even when i do i can't getting on rides is not easy anymore and it's just the crowds are surging so crowds go up governor says all clear and you lay off you know, 28,000 people. And that that's probably just the start because now they're starting to lay off union workers and that too. And that's the other thing I wanted to say. My wife is full-time and I hear everyone saying, oh, don't, full-time is not laid off and this and that. And well, she was non-union because the salons weren't union. And I always thought Disney liked to promote less unionizing, like it's better for them. But then when something happens, they treat the non-union people so much worse than the union that I feel like, why wouldn't, why wouldn't everyone just unionize there then? You're, 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 you don't, if you don't treat the non-union people well, I, I, I'd, rec- I'd have to say everyone should unionize then if this is how you're going to treat people. And again, maybe I'm naive, maybe I'm stupid, but if I ran a company and I didn't want unions everywhere i would treat my people better and they did the opposite the non-union i guess were a lot easier just to get rid of completely there's no guarantee there's no return to work there's nothing it's just they did offer like a severance package or whatever and i i i I guess that's the next thing i'll get into yeah before you get in yeah before you get into that uh, just a couple observations remarkably enough ironically enough I believe in California, the cast members, other than the entertainment, are uh, non-union. So I I don't understand. Um, I, I guess if you look at the geography and the ideology between the South in America and the West, you would think that California would be a more union-friendly state. I believe it is, actually, compared to Florida, but remarkably, weirdly enough, For whatever reason, and maybe people know more than I do, I don't really understand why. Um, The Florida cast, you know, this whole thing, pardon me, the uh, uh, Disney World has a lot more union employees than what California does. Uh, You know, uh, I don't believe any of their front-facing cast members are uh, union employees in California. In Florida, 
it's a mixed bag. And from what I understand, um, as far as union employees, they've pretty much gotten rid of the majority of their part-time union employees, if if I'm correct there. I know they haven't laid off any of their full-time uh, union don't, employees. Don't worry, though. The part-time may be called back sometime by October of 2022. So yeah, I saw that. That's, that's the other thing is that- Hang out for a little bit. You know, they might call you back. They're, they're basically <laughs> telling those people, uh, they're dangling this um, rotten carrot in front of them saying, you can come back to work by 2022. Um, we may offer you your job back as <laughs> if they're going to be able to survive. Yeah, I mean, does Disney like realize that? these are people? They they they're well, not robots. Just put them in the put them in the storage till 2022. And keep them keep them cold. They'll last longer. It's like no, that's these are people. So they, that's you cannot the, do that. That's the other thing I wanted to talk about a little bit before we move on. John is the people face of this. Um, so uh, you said about the salons and a lot of people will get in their head, oh, those are just the rich people at the Grand Floridian. But your wife started out at Bibbidi Boppity Boutique, right? Yeah. Uh, and so understand that this includes those people as well. And is, there's no, you know, the, the employees aren't these so-called uh, elite people that oh, yeah, you may, my wife is not yeah. one of the rich people she did not make much even in the salon she it was more than the bibbity bobbity boutique but not a lot more <laughs> and that's what i want to emphasize here and i also want to emphasize the fact that uh the the type of work that that is it takes a certain type of person a, a passionate person somebody who really cares about their job, cares about the company, cares about the things that they're doing. This isn't just a regular job where you, or or a, a salon or a barber or something that you just walk into. This, this is somebody actually presenting experiences to people. It, it goes beyond just cutting hair and things like that. And if you have kids and you've ever gone to the Bippity Bobby Boutique, or if you've just got gifted a salon day or something at a Grand Floridian or somewhere like that, you know, as a present or something, you would realize that. You would see that this is different. And these people really take care and care about their jobs. The Bibbidi Bobby Boutique is just unbelievable. We took our two daughters there uh, last year and the experience they had and the pictures we got and everything, it's yeah. something that'll last them a That's lifetime. That's closed indefinitely as well. Like there's no return date for that. So, uh, and but the difference is they were union people, so they a lot of them got offered other positions that they may or may not like. But so, but not all of them. Not all of them were union, right? I mean, your wife was in there, and she. My wife was right? union when she was at the oh, Bibbidi Bobbidi Boutique, yeah. and then when you change to the salon, you have to go out of the union because the salon's not union. I don't know. It's not really choices. They tell you what you're going to do, where you, yeah. depending on where you go. So, But as far as uh, if you're connected to Disney and you're an employee at Disney, you go to work at Disney for a reason. You are typically a oh, Disney yeah. fan when you go there no. to work. You know? No, my wife uh, got offered jobs many times over the years for high-end salons where you could make good money, you know, doing super spoiled rich people's hair and this and that but 
that's not really her thing. It was always, like you said, she loved Disney. She loved being part of making the magic, making yeah. someone's vacation, making people happy like that. It was a, a different experience. It's not uh, like money was nowhere near the, the top of it. And that's the hard, that's what Disney doesn't understand too. They're, they say their top thing isn't money, but their top thing is money. When they're lucky enough to find an employee that, that, that magic and experience is is more important than money to them that's a pretty great thing to to have and again when they do their layoffs they don't care about what you've done individually you could have been there 20 years the best employee ever you're just a number you're you're in this group you're out it's like they no matter what you do like my wife always showed up early never called out uh, was her job was extremely important to her and somebody that hated their job was in, would be in the same position that there's no difference when they're doing layoffs so based on based on what i see my theory going forward about how how the ship is going with disney when you do layoffs and you don't really look at individual employees like you just say i don't know this chunk goes this one goes whatever I saw online employees that are still there recently on like a Facebook post, literally attacking guests online, saying that they're the problem and they're idiots. And the one cast member actually said pass holders are disgusting because they feel they're entitled. And I'm like, it kind of made me mad because these are the people that are still there. And my wife would never in a million years do that. Even now that she's been fired, she still won't do that. That's disrespectful to guests, to pass holders. You just don't act like that. And and my reason for bringing this up is Disney's getting rid of people without considering who they are. And the problem is, even if they come back, do you think my wife is going to be there going, oh, I've been doing nothing because no one will hire me. So I'm always waiting for you to call me. The only people who will be doing that are the ones you don't really want back. So Disney's overall quality of employees will go down with random layoffs. Like that's mm-hmm. that's just the way it works. If you have to lay people off, maybe you should look at each individual record. And because if if you did, you would have looked at hers and went, "She's somebody we really want to keep. She makes the magic. She is always on time. She's oh, she has so many compliments published." online that that we have right here it's like that's not the one you get rid of they don't do any they don't they don't consider any of that and like i said for me it makes me think if you don't care about which employees you let go the good ones are going to get jobs elsewhere and they're not just going to come running back the worst employees that nobody else wants will probably still be available so you are you are narrowing down the people that make the magic. It's going to be even less magical than it was because, like I said, I don't know if she would go back or not, but I, 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 I would probably advise her. I just don't trust them. They don't. They're too big. They don't. Anything happens, no matter how great an employee you are, it means nothing. I mean, they got rid of Yeehaw Bob. It's like. Yeah, they got rid of the Grand Floridian Orchestra. It's like Mm. nobody's safe. Nothing is safe. And it's not the if you're looking for any kind of stability, I can't recommend them at all. And that's another thing I remember we just talked about in moving here about how slow they are to hire and stuff. 
There's an another thing to think of. Make sure you diversify your incomes because if you're a, a family that heavily depends on Disney, luckily we're not. So we're fine. Like I I my job has nothing to do with Disney. Yeah. Okay, that should about do it for this best of episode. I want to thank you all for tuning in and listening from week to week. I want to thank most of all John for being such a good friend and giving me this chance to co-host this podcast with him. And of course, everyone around the podcast, John's family, thank you so much for giving up your husband and dad for these recordings that we do every Saturday and these meets that we we meet in the parks and it's been a real pleasure getting to know John and John's wife I haven't got a chance to meet his daughter yet but I, I'm sure she's as charming as John and his wife are and I want to thank my wife for being patient with me through this whole thing again I just want to thank you all for tuning in each week, listening. Hopefully we can continue this thing well into the future and provide this perspective that is somewhat unique in podcast land. There's not too many people talking about perspectives, dual perspectives, the local and the vacationer, the 10 miles away and a thousand miles away from the park. So glad that John and I were able to meet together and share this common interest. We were brought together on a previous podcast and we just hit it off ever since then. So with that said, let's finish this thing up like our typical podcast and we will be back next week. All right, John, where can they find you online? Yeah, you can find me at c.wdw on Instagram. I'm very close to 50,000 people. Make sure you follow nice. me there. And uh, c.wdw on Facebook, uh, c.uo on Instagram, c.wdw on TikTok, uh, c.wdw on YouTube. And speaking of that, I think the next time I do a contest, I might ask people to follow me on Facebook. Because mm -hmm. I don't care about Facebook, but Disney might. That might make me look better if I can get some of those 50,000 people to also follow me on Facebook if you're there. So. Is it is it Facebook or is it the new, what's the new name they're using uh, now? I don't know. Says, I don't even know. What I the, think it's still Facebook, the I app, think it is. but the company is Meta that owns them. So I think mm. Facebook is still Facebook. At least okay. it is on my phone. It still says Yeah, mine too. So hopefully it stays that way. But yeah, like I said, I don't do much on there, but I it I do post on there. I I automatically upload from Instagram, and I do some unique things on there too. So yeah, you get good response on Facebook. I what I get a lot on there is I get a lot of shares. Like I can't tell you how many times I'll get like 30 likes and like 15 shares. I'm like who are these people? Like there's people out there that just they're probably 10 times bigger than me. All they do is share my stuff. But I don't <laughs> know what they are. I never looked that close because, like I said, on Facebook, I really don't care. So I didn't really investigate it. But there is a weird amount of shares that go on on my, on my Facebook account. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, you can find me at the Giant Rat on Instagram. That's T-H-E-E -E, Giant Rat on Instagram and on TikTok. That should do it. 
We will be back next week. See you then.